This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. All right, welcome into Purple Daily. It's Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad, Declan Goff producing. You can find daily Vikings discussions in audio form on Apple, Spotify, or scorenorth.com. Thank you for everyone who's given us a five-star rating and a positive review on uh, any of those platforms. And also YouTube.com slash score north, where you're delivering daily Vikings conversations into your feed. And we're going to jump right into it with our friend Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus. Pro Football Focus went through and, uh, and they listed the most valuable player for each team the past decade. And Eric, you guys have Kirk Cousins as the most valuable Viking of the past decade. Is that correct? And if so, explain. It is correct. And it, it, it's strange, right? You, so when we developed uh, the wins above replacement metric, um, you know, obviously that we're, we're trying to uh, do what baseball has done, which is say, you know, give a, a basically a win share to every player so that we can sort of price these players out. And the tough part is that, you know, quarterback is, is roughly on average about four times more valuable than a, another position player. Um, and so when you're looking at the Minnesota Vikings, if you get above average quarterback play for the last two years and you look at what the Vikings have been able to accomplish at the position over the past 10 years, Kirk ends up rising to the top because he's had two pretty good seasons in a row where he's played a lot of snaps. And on each of those snaps, he's playing above average play. Uh, so he ends up, you know, generating the most win shares, despite plenty of other players on the Vikings playing really well at other positions. So that, that's what the formula says, Eric, and that's what the stats say. Uh, as someone who has watched Kirk Cousins and the Vikings play a lot, are you are you buying what the information is telling you? I I think so. I mean, so the the really tricky part is you know the is the counterfactual. So when you put a, you know, practice squad player at the quarterback position for the Vikings, do they lose? So Kirk's in that two wins above replacement, two and a half, I think, in his best season. Um, so let's say you went in and put Nathan Peterman uh, or, you know, Mike Glennon on the Vikings the last year. Uh, I think it's pretty safe to say that given everything, you know, they're a six-win team in 2017 or 2018, I'm sorry, and an eight and eight team at best last year. So it does check out. Whereas you look at other positions and it just simply doesn't move the needle very much. Right. So you lose Harrison Smith for a few games in 2015. 
they win some of those games. You you lose you lose Adam Thielen for a bunch of games last year, and they win some of those games. Um, whereas when you put you know replacement level play at the quarterback position, it's just really difficult to win in the NFL. And so the bar is the bar is a lot lower for quarterbacks in terms of replacement level, but then also play for play they control so much that you know even though I think Kirk leaves Vikings fans wanting more, he has been a very valuable piece and has been paid as such. So you, you've touched on an interesting topic here, and I think everything that that you're saying, Pro Football Focus has found with the war metric and the and the value placed on the quarterback position. I think Las Vegas would echo a lot of those same things when when you see top quarterbacks out on an injury report, spreads will move five, six, maybe seven points if it's a Tom Brady versus you know some scrub backup. But if J.J. Watt is out for the Texans compared to if Deshaun Watson is out, the spread might not move that much. So what are the, what are the biggest reasons why, even though our perception would say, wow, if the Vikings are without Adam Thielen or, man, if Daniil Hunter is out, the Vikings are screwed, right? How are they going get, to get a pass rush? How and why is it that quarterbacks are just measurably more valuable? Is it because they are controlling so much of the action and touching the ball? What it, how, how do you explain that gap to fans? It's interesting. So the, in football, almost every position except for one and maybe two is a weak link system. So, you know, I, I remember the 2013 Vikings season very, very uh, explicitly when they lost Antoine Winfield and had to play Josh Robinson out of position in the nickel. And the whole thing fell apart. Even though Robinson was like their eighth best player on the defense, the fact that he was terrible tore the entire thing apart. Um, on the offensive line, it's sort of the same thing where, you know, Riley Reef is an average offensive lineman. And then when there's four other offensive linemen playing averagely next to him, it's fine. It's when TJ Clemmings comes in and plays terribly, the whole thing collapses. So, so when you look at that, so it's not necessarily the Harrison Smith being out, for example, or the Adam Thielen being out. It's the weakest link being out, which we don't actually think is all that valuable. And so what that does is it suppresses the value of the higher end players. As you said, there's probably maybe half a dozen players in the NFL that will actually move the Vegas spread a half a point when they're out that aren't quarterbacks. But when you look at quarterbacks, they control so much. So, for example, a guy like Daniil Hunter is getting pressure on only you know 20% of his snaps, and he's really good, but that's a fifth of plays that he's having even an impact on. Kirk, you know, we, we've noticed you know, quarterbacks control their pressure rate, so he controls that part more than the offensive line does, so he controls that. He, you know, he throws the passes to you know, the open receivers, right? So he controls you know, one of the skills that receivers have, which is getting open and getting the football. There, he's there's so much that depends upon him, whereas all the other positions are so interconnected that it elevates the value of perceived, you know, sort of like, you know, uh, ancillary pieces and depresses the value of supposed elite pieces. So what does this tell us about the yay or nay about uh, potentially devoting a decent portion of your salary cap to a Dalvin Cook extension then? It, I just. I just can't see it being good for the Vikings. Um, the the really hard part is when you and, and I wrote an article about this on PFF.com a couple weeks ago, and specifically about quarterbacks. The only quarterbacks where you give it when you've given them a big deal have worked out are the Andrew Luck, the Russell Wilsons, the quarterbacks that elevate the play of those around them, right? Because you need when you 
poor resources into one position, that player has to elevate what are going to end up being either young or cheaply played, paid players at other positions. Running back, the quarterback can do that. They control so much that they can. You know, we see DK Metcalf and a terrible offensive line in Seattle, and they're still fine. Running back, they're actually on the other side. Running back, the table is set for them by other people. It's set for them by the Kubiaks of the world. It's set for them by the offensive line. It's set for them by the, the fact that you need two high safeties to cover Diggs and Thielen last year. All those things. So Cook doesn't actually – Cook is a beneficiary of a lot of things and do, isn't actually a catalyst for much of anything. So when you pay him that much money – you're taking away resources from the from the table that's being set for him. And to me, it just doesn't. That's why you know rookie running backs generally do okay. And then when you pay them, you you see what you saw with Todd Gurley, uh, Devontae Freeman just recently, uh, Melvin Gore. So it's going to be a tough one because he's a great football player and he's fun to watch. But the smart move for the Vikings is not to pay him. Eric, shoot shoot me down if if you think I'm wrong on this. But let me let me play devil's advocate on this. If Dalvin Cook is used in a similar fashion to how Christian McCaffrey is used in Carolina, where essentially his one salary in Carolina is taking up two players worth of production. Like this is a dude who he touches the ball over 400 times. Now, you know, the other shoe to drop is, all right, how many, how long can you keep doing that until you're just unable to play football anymore? Uh, But if, if you're a guy who's going to get the ball 250 times, you know, in handoff form and go for a thousand plus yards, and then you're also going to get targeted a hundred plus times and catch almost a hundred passes, and you're making let's you know he makes fifteen or sixteen. Let's say Dalvin makes between twelve and fifteen million dollars. If the usage rate is that high, does it justify paying a Dalvin Cook at least for the next two or three years in terms of guaranteed money? Yeah, the hard part is is the arrow generally points in the other direction. So, the, and you know, and this is unfair a little bit because Carolina played with three quarterbacks last year, but. You know, McCaffrey was brilliant, and that team was still 25th in yards per play, uh, you know, on, on offense. And the, the tricky part is when you pay a running back that much, it, it's the other way. You, you force yourself to give him touches to justify the deal. We saw that at number – Adrian Peterson in this town, you know, we saw it over and over again. And the hard part is that plays to running backs when they're intentional are not, val- are not valuable plays. Uh, throwing the ball to a receiver or a tight end is – you know, if the pass is attempted is over a tenth of an expected point positively per play, sometimes over two tenths of a point. Throwing the ball to running backs is generally speaking a negative expected value play because the depth of target is so low, right? So when you throw the ball to Thielen, he's entering the play eight to 10 yards downfield. There's already value on the catch point. Whereas with a running back, when he catches the football at the line of scrimmage, he has to do things beyond that just to make that play into a valuable play. And so as good as the back is, and McCaffrey was terrific, what he was doing was he was taking receptions and taking uh, yards and expected points away from receivers on those plays. And so even though they, he did the best that he could with them, they were still a little lower than if an offense had a more uh, sort of spread out thing. So what I fear with Minnesota is when you get Cook in there and you get him, you give him that deal, there's and you know it might just be a necessity because their receivers aren't as good as they were in seasons past. But you're going to opt to throw the one yard pass to Cook when you should be throwing the 15 yard pass to Thielen, just incrementally more. And at, on the balance, that makes your offense a little less efficient. Do you think that going into 2020, the Vikings offensively, who might be decent, but do you think offensively 
they get what the championship formula of 2020 is? No, uh, you know, just that the, the real the real test is going to be what Stefanski does in Cleveland because I think the the real tricky thing about Stefanski was that I thought he did a great job of calling the actual plays, but he did so with the restrictions on him by Zimmer to run the football because the Vikings, in my opinion, they had a great season offensively last year, but their one their one black mark was the fact that they ran the ball too much on early downs. And they got bailed out a little bit because Dalvin Cook was good. They got bailed out a lot because they didn't have to score on every drive because the defense was good and they played a weaker schedule of quarterback. Um, you know, fast forward this year, I think they're still going to have, you know, I think Cleveland, if they throw the ball more, we're going to find out that Zimmer was the one sort of pulling the puppet strings as far as a run-pass ratio. Mm-hmm. If they keep that run-pass ratio this year with Kubiak playing, you know, a far harder schedule of quarterback mm-hmm. and – you know, not having that second receiver in Diggs, who's terrific, I think it's going to be really, really hard for them. I just, I, the the running games that win in the NFL are few and far between, and they include something that the Vikings simply don't have, which is just an outlier piece, which is the Shanahan play calling in San Francisco and the Lamar Jackson uh, just freakiness in, in Baltimore. And and if if any team like Minnesota is trying to chase those, uh, I think they're going to lose spectacularly. Is there also a potential conflict in the art of trying to make Kirk look as good as possible and actually uh, being as productive as possible? There is, I, you know, that's the hard thing. I mean, when you, I mean, when you, when you have to run like, so there's a myth that you have to run the football effectively for play action to work. Um, But if you believe that, then you have to run the ball on early down so that the play action stuff, does make Kirk better. Play action makes every quarterback better, but Kirk, I think especially, is really good at a lot of those plays where he's got an open pocket and he can set his feet and stuff. The hard part is, like, yeah, that the, the, the aim there, the, the means to the end is running the football too much. And in a season where they're not getting to play David Blau and Daniel Jones and Chase Daniel and Matt Moore, and, you know, when they have to play a, an actual set of quarterbacks, like they're going to be behind just incrementally more. The defense isn't quite as good with all the corners and, and Everson Griffin gone. So, you know, it might look worse because, you know, they're going to be stuck in shotgun, you know, behind and throwing the football more, um, you know, even though that, you know, probably, you know, Kirk will be fine. It'll just, the aim of making him look better, which is to play this sort of 1990s football is, I, I just don't think long-term it's good for the Vikings. Yeah. That's Eric Eager, our friend from pro football focus. And just back to the beginning of the conversation, Kirk Cousins by Pro Football Focus and their wins above replacement measurement named the best Vikings player, most valuable Vikings player of the last 10 years. Hey, real quick, uh, who were some of the other candidates? I'm guessing it was, it was Brett Favre on that list just solely because of his 2000. Well, no, that's before. That was that wouldn't have made it for last decade. Yeah, 2010, he, I think he was below replacement player. <laughs> he was so bad that year. It's so funny. He's got like two of the... 06 and, and 2010 were like the worst seasons. You know, Favre was terrible in those years. And then randomly in 09, one of the best. So how we had it, so among quarterbacks, is the two Kirk seasons, Case's season in 2017. Brad, uh, Bradford's season in 2016 was just edged out Bridgewater as a rookie. And then Bridgewater as a second-year player uh, was the fifth most valuable of the decade. And then then you're getting into the ponders and, and stuff like that. And, you know, those, those guys barely worth anything. But if you look at, you look at non-quarterback, 
Adam Thielen's 2018 season is the most valuable non-quarterback season uh, we, we've seen this decade. So, uh, you know, a lot of volume and a lot of productivity. Uh, Harrison Smith is, has three of the top six uh, in terms of most valuable non-quarterbacks wow. for the Vikings over the past decade. So off of the year the case popped up and played so well, which nobody saw coming, going into 2020, how many backup quarterbacks exist in this league who wouldn't absolutely submarine their current team? Oh, that's a great I, – I actually wrote about this last week because there's 16 quarterbacks in the NFL that I classified – backup quarterbacks that I identified as veterans with little to no chance of ever starting in the league again. Um, and that's 16. That's half, and Sean Mannion, I think, is, is in that group. Um, of players who are backups that aren't first-round picks, I see – I think Andy Dalton – if pressed into work in Dallas, could be really good, especially with Mike McCarthy. Um, I think Mariota with the Las Vegas Raiders, if, hmm. if uh, you know, Gruden uh, and he click would be excellent. And I think this one's easy. I mean, Jameis Winston with the New Orleans Saints, I mean, a guy that can lead the league in pa- passing yardage is one of the top players in terms of yards per pass attempt. And the second highest player last year in terms of things we call positively graded throws, Jameis makes positive plays like no one else. He also makes negative plays like no one else. If he could find a coach, if he could find a coach that could harness the good and eliminate the bad, you know, he could be terrific. And and so I think there are some. I mean, if if you're looking for like a really a really long shot, maybe it's somebody like Nick Mullins for San Francisco. I know he mm-hmm. played really well uh, for the the period of time he played in 2018 when Garoppolo was hurt. Uh, but a lot of these guys are just, you know, a lot of these guys are what Case ended up being, which was, you know, a really well-paid and really well-respected backup, which is not a bad gig if you can get it. Yeah. Hey, Eric, thanks for coming on, man. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, man. Take care, guys. Appreciate right, it. That's our friend uh, Eric Eager. And it is, I think his, as he lays out sort of the most valuable Viking seasons of the last 10 years, the the previous decade, it does match the eye test, too. You'd say... Okay, yeah, the Kirk Cousins has had a couple really good, especially feasting on some of those noon games, regular season numbers. Mm-hmm. So you'd probably have the two Kirk Cousins seasons and then the Case Keenum season kind of right in below that. And then the Sam Bradford season followed by Teddy Bridgewater, mostly game managing for his first couple of years. So mm-hmm. their their metrics fit what I would probably recall my eye test saying as well. So would, would you say that, uh, back to the question I asked him, as a stats guy, Phil Mackey, would you say not that the not that this is the Vikings offense is going to be bad or awful, but do you think that the way they choose to do things is conducive to trying to win a Super Bowl? Because I I think that's the ultimate question. Not not does it look good? Does it yeah. serve to be on the right track to try and win a Super Bowl? My short answer is I need to see more in this post-Stefan Diggs. I, I need to see what they look like this year. If their goal is to go out and lead the NFL in rushing attempts and essentially just try to play 1990s football, I think that's a really, really safe way to assure that you don't train wreck. I think I think that that, that with, with the Vikings have, if they're looking to just limit Kirk Cousins throwing bad picks or whatever it is, and they're looking to lean on their pass rushers and like their defense is not going to be as dominant as it was two years ago, certainly three years ago. Um, I think it's, I think it's a really good recipe for making sure that you for sure go eight and eight. I don't think it's a great recipe. Which is not the goal though. 
Right. And like, that's, that's the recipe I, for not train wrecking, to your point. That's where I'm at with this franchise. Is the, and that's, you know, in, in all of our debates before the draft, too, yep. on Mackie and Judd, um, which, by the way, you can find our other podcast, Mackie and Judd, Apple, Spotify, and scorenorth.com. I'm so sick of this franchise not winning a Super Bowl. And so if it means, you know, and listen, I, this is not anti-Kirk Cousins, it's, but if there were if there were to have been a chance to grab Tua and there wasn't, like they just weren't going to be able to trade up that high. Right. This Our conversation was more about like if he starts to fall and the debate was about, well, yeah, but like you can't give up Kirk Cousins, he's a top 10 quarterback. Whether it's evaluating your quarterback, evaluating your system, evaluating your head coach, yep. everything should be geared toward winning a Super Bowl. And to me, playing ball control 1990s football as a way to sort of like limit potential damage, make sure that... that keep your defense fresh. Time of possession, it's this It's about and that. the defense, yeah. And I get all those things, and I'm not saying that there's zero value in running the ball. There is value in running the ball. Yep. But if your goal is, let's just make sure that we don't train wreck, let's just make sure that we take the ball out of our quarterback's hands in certain situations and give it to the running back and the defense... That's a great way to go eight and eight, nine and seven. I don't think it's a great way. Uh, I don't think it's a great way to beat the San Francisco 49ers uh, in the NFC this year. I don't think it's a great way to beat the Kansas City Chiefs and Pat Mahomes in a Super Bowl if you get there. So I, I think, too, that among the things that we can say, well, we think this and the Vikings think that. And often we, we come back to, well, they're probably right. I think the one thing that we keep hearing from very smart football people that's a fundamental misunderstanding by the Vikings where other people are right is their misinterpretation of what the running back position should do and should be right now. Don't you? It, it's, it's, it's so much harder than when you have like one of the three best running backs. If it's, it, I think everyone's on the same page. If you don't have one of the three best running backs, don't pay him. The discussion right, but, is more like, but Mike, all right, he, but Mike wants to run the ball. Like Mike wants oh, I, to I ground and pound. Mike wants to. Mike sees this as as damn it. The Dallas Cowboys did this, and so we can. And really smart football people in 2020 are basically saying, no, no, that did yeah. work. Ship has sailed. Right. Eric brought up a great point, and we can di- we should do another episode just kind of diving into your question about is this the Super Bowl blueprint from a play calling standpoint, from a personnel standpoint, everything philosophically, but. The eye test would tell you last year the Vikings they tend they tended to run the ball a lot on first and second down. It felt like you know relative to the rest of the league, and Eric essentially brought that up anecdotally. Said, "Yeah, the Vikings systematically leaned on running the ball too often early. You know, it's it's great. Hey, when you hand the ball off on first down or you hand the ball off on second and eight or second and nine, mm-hmm. when you do get five or six yards, it's great because now you're in second and four. Now you're in third and one or whatever it is, right? But what about the times when you run for one yard, two yards, which is also very frequent? Now you're putting yourself in tough spots. Like philosophically, is that are you doing too much of those things? That's probably to be flushed out on a different episode. But for now, thank you all for hanging out with us on Purple Daily. I'm Phil Mackey. That's Judd Zolgad. We'll see you next time. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.